we focus on, we facilitate it. So if we focus on health creation, yeah. we create health. The brain yeah. can't think in negative. So if I focus on preventing, we'll say cancer, well, guess what? I'm giving that cancer energy by simply thinking about it, talking 100%. about it, you know, preventing it. Just like, you know, if I say, don't think of a pink elephant, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all you're thinking about. So mm-hmm. disease is kind of the same way. But if I tell you to think of X or Y or Z, then the brain also thinks in that direction. So, Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. I'm excited to have you here today. At our show, we're all about helping you in the pursuit of your best body, mind, spirit, and life. Thanks for being here. Hey, everybody. Ben here. I just wanted to come on really quickly and share with you something I created for you that I'm very excited about. You know, I'm a big fan of using our mind and the tools that we can use within it to begin to create our life, our ideal life, the way that we want to. There's many different things that we can do this. And I know that if you're listening to this, you're intuitively, you already believe that you have the power to be, do, and have whatever you want. You already believe intuitively that you can create your life by design. But often I find people, as much as they believe it, they keep kind of repeating programs of the past. They keep you know, self-sabotaging at times, running into the same issues or, or even having struggles of the same. So maybe, you know, continuing to struggle with money, uh, maybe continuing to struggle in relationships, continuing to struggle in creating the, the body and the health and fitness that we want or whatever it might be, maybe your own personal happiness. So what I've done for you is I've created a, I think it's about five or six minutes, but a visualization that you can use, a guided visualization to help you achieve your goals. I know there's things that you want, I know there's things that you can have and you can be and you can do. And so I wanted to give you a tool that you can apply in your life to begin to create that in your life and create it in your mind so it begins to show in your outer reality. So if you go to benspangle.com forward slash gift and you can download that visualization for free, the guided visualization on achieving your goals. All right, let's get you back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I've got my friend Sachin Patel with me and I, you know, I am excited about all the guests we have on the show. I do have to say I've been uh, personally, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Uh, I got to meet Sachin and his wife Deepa at a dinner we were at in Toronto with Evan Carmichael, which was amazing. And, uh, and I've been looking forward to us doing the show ever since then. Um, I want to tell you guys a bit about Sachin. Sachin is a husband. He's a father. He's a philanthropist. And he really their practice that they've built is uh, functional medicine practice success coaches. So they've obviously run their own successful practice and then they teach uh, others how to do the same. He's an international speaker. He's a best selling author. And um, my experience of Sachin, the time that I had is he's just a very kind, caring man and human. And uh, I couldn't be happier to have you on the show. So thanks for being here. Ben, thank you. It's my absolute honor. And I've been looking forward to our conversation since that day as well. So, uh, you know, everything happens at the right timing. So there's never been a better time for us to have this dialogue. And I'm excited to share. Thank you for hosting me. 100%. You guys, you founded the Living Proof Institute. And I don't know the story about this. I want to hear about it. Um, From what I read about it was as part of your own personal transformation. Can, Can we actually start with that before we dive into anything else? Yeah, sure. So my original training, and I'm I'm still uh, I still bleed chiropractic, is that I'm a chiropractor. I started okay. off in a sports clinic. Okay. I started off working with elite athletes and high-performing individuals, Olympians, people of that caliber. 
And so I was actually working with really healthy people, people who were active, people who would come in and say, well, I, I didn't make my sub three hour marathon. What can you do to help me? Right. Mm. And we'd find ways to improve and optimize them. And mm. I really enjoyed doing that. And uh, I love the challenge. I love helping people who are deeply committed to their health, take it to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And I loved kind of looking at the whole body instead of just looking at the site of the injury or the site of you know where their complaint was. So mm-hmm. I've always had that philosophy of the body can heal. Let's get and find the root cause and let's look at the whole picture. And, you know, a, a few years into practice, I was uh, had the honor of being on the news mm-hmm. and it's funny how these things happen. So my, my boss at the time had frozen on live television prior to that. And so the opportunity actually came to her because she's the owner of the clinic. And uh, she's like, Patel, you do it. Like, I can't stand the AFDO going on TV. And so I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So two years into practice, uh, I'm excited that I get to be on the news and get to you know share the good work that we're doing in the world for people. Mm-hmm. The story that they ran was about elbow pain. So also known as uh, lateral or medial epicondylitis, tennis elbow, golfer's mm-hmm. elbow, as it's commonly known as. Mm-hmm. And so we helped this lady, Connie, you know, get rid of her chronic elbow issues despite having surgery and physiotherapy. And so that was the story that they ran. And they ended up running that during the sweeps, which is uh, a time of the year where they're trying to get a lot of ratings. So it was a, it was a good uh, placement of the segment that they did. And that day, that afternoon, when the story ran, I still remember I was working on patients and the phone just kept ringing. And my front desk staff called me up to the front. They said, like, all these people are seeing you on TV right now and they're calling to make appointments. Wow. And so here I am, like, super excited until people started coming in because the people that called in were actually really unwell. They were Mm. terribly sick with chronic health challenges and things that I didn't really know what to do with because mm-hmm. I was w- used to working with healthy people, mm-hmm. not people who are metabolically frail or unwell, people with you know, chronic challenges like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, autoimmunity. I mean, I didn't even know what these conditions were because that wasn't really my area of expertise. So after a handful of patients, I had to start asking them like, why, why are you here? Because you know, we went from seeing some of the healthiest people in, in our community to now seeing some of the sickest. So it was an interesting spectrum. Mm-hmm. And right around that time, you know, after I started, you know, kind of turning these patients down because I couldn't help them, I got a, an email from this gentleman named Dr. Ron Grisanti, and he was sharing case studies of how he was helping people with the exact problems I was turning down. And so timing was was perfect for me to explore a little bit further and say, like, hey, like if he's helping people, maybe I can do this. Turns out it was within my scope of practice in Ohio to run these labs and do this type of testing and get to the root cause. So I took his training program. I was one of the first graduates and we're talking 2006. So like 17 years ago now. Mm. And I took the functional medicine training, which was so new at the time, nobody had ever heard of it. None of my patients had ever heard of it. My, you know, none of my staff had heard of it at that time. And functional I started medicine. App- functional medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started applying the principles I was learning in the training to myself. So I gave up gluten, I cut out dairy and this persistent fatigue that I used to have, I didn't realize how tired I was until I wasn't tired anymore. Hmm. I didn't realize how achy I was until I experienced no achiness because I grew up my whole life experiencing, you know, achiness and stiffness in the morning. I remember my hands always used to be so stiff that I could never squeeze them until it would take them 20 minutes to half an hour to warm up. And when I gave up gluten and dairy, that all disappeared. 
And we're not mm -hmm. talking months or years. We're talking within days. It started, you know, these symptoms started to disappear. I used to have chronic digestive issues that I didn't realize were digestive issues until my digestion actually improved and became optimized. What so, would you just even for my own interest, when you say not realizing digestive issues, how would you explain those? The so I, I wasn't digesting my food very well. Mm. Um, my stools weren't as formed as they should be. Mm. Uh, in hindsight, I grew up uh, being very constipated, never mm. really thought about it, but I would use the bathroom every couple of days instead mm. of, you know, multiple times a day um, to, to relieve my bowels. Mm -hmm. And when you realize what normal is, uh, you know, you uh, and what's normal to you and what's and what's optimal, sometimes right. there can be a gap or a variation between that. So right. I realized I'm like, I'm grateful that I'm alive and I'm relatively healthy and well. And from the outside, you wouldn't necessarily know that these issues were going on inside of me. Mm. Uh, but it's, again, not until you can contrast what real health feels like that you start, you know, um, wanting it for others. Mm -hmm. So like whenever my patients, my chiropractic patients would come and they would come to the office and I say, Hey, do you experience any stiffness in the morning? I would, I, and they would say, no, I'm like, you must be lying because I have stiffness in the morning. Like, how do, how do you not have stiffness in the morning? Cause that was just normal to me. Hmm. So once I learned about functional medicine, it's just like, you know, a whole new paradigm opened up for me and you, you just simply can't look back from there. Hmm. And so since then I, you know, I'm now uh, gluten-free, um, personally, I'm vegetarian for, for spiritual and religious reasons, mm -hmm. you know, so I've been able to find what works for me. Mm -hmm. I haven't been sick in, you know, I can't over 15 years, haven't missed a day of work. Mm -hmm. I have great energy every day. Like I've been able to build multiple businesses and travel the world and speak. And, and, and then I teach this to other practitioners. And what I believe as a practitioner is that real health starts with us. So we have to be that role model and that mm -hmm. example of what's possible to other people, just like you're a role model and an example for what you do for others. Mm -hmm. And so that's long way, long winded way of sharing with you where my story started. Uh, but it was because I was, you know, experiencing what I didn't even think were challenges until I started resolving them and then experiencing the contrast and how different I felt. Hmm. Uh, I know it's an estimate, but as best of an estimate, what percentage of the population do you think that's the case that they're not, not even aware how much better they could be feeling? Well, I would say, you know, probably close to 97% of the population. Really? Yeah. Most people, really? most people, you know, the definition of health for most people is if they don't have a disease, they think they're healthy. Right. Right. And that's like saying, you know, if you take a car, let's say you take any car, maybe your car, my car, you know, from the day it was pulled off the lot and, and today, right, mm -hmm. even if it's just a year old, it's not the same. Right. There's room sure. for improvement. There's room for optimization. There's degeneration that's taking place. Yes, it gets you from A to B, but it's never quite the same. Mm. And what we believe in our philosophy is that, uh, and this is the approach and paradigm that we want to live in, is not what disease am I preventing, but what level of health am I creating? Mm. And so our focus isn't disease prevention, it's, mm -hmm. it's health creation, because there's mm -hmm. over 10,000 different diseases that somebody could be diagnosed with. Mm -hmm. You can't wake up each day trying to prevent each and every single one and have a different mm -hmm. plan for each and every single one. Mm -hmm. It's way too overwhelming. And it, yeah. it's not a good way of even approaching the problem, right? Like if I was to uh, put into my GPS where I want to go, I would mm -hmm. not put in all the places I don't want to go. Mm -hmm. I would put in exactly where I want to go and it would mm -hmm. get me there. 
So health kind of works the same way, right? What we focus on, we facilitate it. So if we focus on health creation, we create health. The brain can't think in negative. So if I focus on preventing, we'll say cancer, well, guess what? I'm giving that cancer energy by simply thinking about it, talking about it, you know, preventing it. Just like, you know, if I say, don't think of a pink elephant, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's all you're thinking about. So Mm -hmm. disease is kind of the same way. But if I tell you to think of, x or y or z then the brain also thinks in that direction so we focus on health creation because we believe there's so much more potential there right and you know the type of people that we love working with are you know not the people that wait for their car to be stuck on the side of the road certainly we can help those people uh you know with a flat tire out of gas like just completely you know busted up we like working with people who ask themselves how can i get the most out of this car Right. How can I take the best care of it and where can I improve and optimize its performance? So it's even better than when I bought it. Right. There's people that buy a quarter million dollar Porsche and they take it right to a tuner and spend another eighty thousand dollars on it Mm -hmm. so they can get an extra couple hundred horsepower out of it. Right. Or it sounds Mm -hmm. the way they want it to or they, Mm -hmm. you know, they dress it up a little bit. So. Uh, I love working with people with that type of worldview. You don't have to have a Porsche budget, right? Mm-hmm. My philosophy is that it should be affordable and accessible to people. And mm-hmm. that's what we try to do is provide lifetime value for the clients that we work with instead of temporary value. Mm-hmm. And when they can recognize that, they start realizing you know, that being healthy is actually way, way easier, way more rewarding than disease prevention. Because how do you even know if your disease prevention strategy is working until much later? That's a great right? point. But yeah. if we focus on health creation, we can see the benefits and experience the benefits of it right now. Yeah. I love that. That's, it's so good. Uh, even what you're talking about of just how, you know, the brain focusing on it. I mean, if I'm focusing on avoiding disease, ultimately it's still the pink elephant. Right. Right. And then from a, consciousness perspective i mean we know consciousness creates right so <laughs> not only in the brain but uh, that's another conversation for sure um yeah and I, I think in my own life if i i can comment on that too there was a, a period of my life where uh outwardly i would say i was focused a lot on the things that i could do you know different superfoods and all this kind of stuff and it, it took me several this is only in the last few years i realized it but what I realized was I was actually coming often from a place of fear mm. uh, in these, you know, and labeling everything, whether it was good or bad for me. And sometimes still labeling something, this isn't good for me, and then ingesting it into my body. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember Wayne Dyer writing that uh, a, a, a lot about what we think about what we eat impacts what's going on in the body too, not just what we're physically eating. Yeah. So anyways, I, I love what you're talking about. Yeah, thank you. And, and simply to add to that, I think you bring up a very wonderful point and I, and I want to double click on it is that we are more than what we eat. Mm-hmm. And this conception that we have around food is, is quite interesting and fascinating. We can, we can definitely unpack it a little bit more. However, mm-hmm. it's interesting, fun, funny fact is that we live in the first time in human history where people complain about eating healthy. <laughs> and what people focus on a lot is what they eat. However, what I've recognized, you know, working with, you know, so many people mm-hmm. is that, you know, and, and oftentimes just for uh, reference for the audience, like people that come to us, we're not their first kind of stop, pit stop, right? Right. They've been to multiple different practitioners and they're finally, you know, frustrated enough to, you know, take a slightly different approach. And so when they come to us, they're like, I've tried this diet, I've taken these supplements, like, 
nothing seems to be working. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, like, do you know someone who doesn't eat this way that doesn't have these problems? Mm. Right. Somebody who eats like a you know, seemingly unhealthy diet, but mm-hmm. they don't seem to have these issues. And they're like, yeah, you know, I, I get so mad at those people. I'm like, well, so you, <laughs> so you know, it's possible to right. not have digestive symptoms and issues yeah. by eating unhealthy. Right. So so there might be a, a new paradigm that we need to think about, not just what you're eating, yeah. but how you're eating. Yeah. and how you feel about what you're eating, the timing of what you're eating, like all of these nuances uh, yeah. play a huge role. And, yeah. you know, we live in a society where we can get anything at any time of the day right. that we want. And, you know, we, we don't have necessarily the guidelines, um, you know, to identify exactly what's optimal and, and best for us. So there's more to food than what we actually eat. Uh, you know, when I ask my clients, do you chew your food? the overwhelming response for most of them is no, right? And that's mm. one of the first steps, the first, you know, the, there's two steps to, you know, what what, uh, what food is going to do for you mm. or when it comes to nutrition, there's two main steps, what you're going to eat, right? Mm-hmm. I guess when you're going to eat would be another one. Mm-hmm. But the second one is how much you chew your food. Mm. So think of digestion like a car wash. Mm-hmm. Every step relies on the previous step being done and you've got to go in the right order. Mm-hmm. And so, when we chew our food, we increase the surface area. By increasing the surface area, we taste the food better, mm. which allows our brain to understand what macronutrients are coming, how much fat, protein, carbohydrates mm. are coming. Mm. It satiates us a little bit more because we're actually chewing the food. It increases oxygenation uh, of our brain when we chew our food. It helps promote healthy dental health. And the other thing that it does is it helps us in making more stomach acid uh, because it relaxes us. So chewing actually relaxes our nervous system because we have a built-in reflex. So every time we chew, it tells our body to relax and go into a state hmm. of digestion. Hmm. So a big thing, and we, certainly we could talk more about this, is what we call autonomic pairing. Hmm. So pairing your nervous system with the activity that you're trying to accomplish. So for example, if somebody's eating on the run, mm-hmm. right? Like <laughs> there's a rest, there's a place here called on the run. Mm. Right. And I'm like, it's such a terrible name for a food place (laughs) because you should never eat and run or walk or be active while you're eating. Like Mm. imagine somebody eating on a treadmill. Right. Right? Like how silly that would be because their body is competing on where to send blood. Right. Should I send it to the legs? Right. Right. Which is the priority in a fight or flight situation. Or should I send it to the stomach? Right. And if we eat under stress, there's an 80% decrease of blood flow to our digestive system. So there's a mismatch between what we're trying to do and uh, consciously and what's happening at an unconscious level. And when Mm. we can live in the awareness of what is the state of my nervous system and is it paired with the task that I'm trying to accomplish, that pairing of your nervous system and the activity uh, is, is so, so paramount and so overlooked. When there's a mismatch between the state of your nervous system and the activity, that is usually where all disease starts. Hmm. Well, so I guess it probably goes without saying, but the same thing, somebody working through their lunch or eating, but they're, you know, doing a work task or whatever, same kind of concept. Yeah. Well, they could, I mean, the consciousness is another part of it, right? Am I consciously aware and present uh, to what I'm doing? right? Right. I think, you know, that's a, that's an important thing to take into consideration. And uh, for some people, if if you're just watching like a, an episode of Seinfeld, for example, 
that's different than trying to hack away at your emails, right? Because yeah. one is going to calm us down and relax us and, right. and release endorphins. The other one is going to raise cortisol. Mm-hmm. And and that's going to have the opposite effect of what we're trying to accomplish. So mm-hmm. we can do certain things, mm-hmm. like ta- like certain tasks. Like for me, I uh, I love watching uh, reruns of Seinfeld. It's like my favorite thing to do. So if I mm-hmm. need to relax, that's one of the things I'll do. Who's also, your favorite like, character? You know what? I love George. Do you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, I, he's like such an amazing actor. Uh, yeah. I love Kramer. I mean, yeah. they all have their own. Uh, For sure you know, characters, but, uh, I love George. I just love watching him as a theatrical, uh, yeah. actor because yeah. he's, he's so good at what he does. But, yeah. and I actually, I was like literally 10 feet away from him in the Bahamas on a slide. Uh, no way. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, I'll tell you that story another time, but yeah, uh, it, that, yeah. it, was, it was really funny to, to see him up close and personal. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. Huh. Now that, that makes sense though. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, as you said that, uh, it actually took me back to when we were having dinner. And I, I do remember now you talking about the importance of chewing that had long left me since our dinner. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to start focusing on that a little bit more. I know I certainly uh, rush through my food for sure. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's an easy thing for us to do. So a right. lot of people listening to this are, are probably, um, you know, guilty of it. Right. So mm. one of the things, simple things that we do is we give our clients a chew counter. And a chew okay. counter is just a little device you put on your finger, and with every bite you take, uh, you just uh, roll the little wheel, and mm. so then you'll know how many times you're actually chewing your food. Mm. When you chew it, the more you chew it, the better it's going to get digested, the more mm. relaxed you're going to be, and the mm. more you're going to get out of the actual meal that you're having. Is there a uh, sweet spot and ideal you want to chew? I understand different foods take more, but chew this many times, I'm biting into an apple. Yeah. So general rule of thumb is you want to chew about 40 bites. That's what we recommend. 40 times. Yeah. And, and, it, and of course it's going to depend on what you're eating, right? So some wow. things are going to be a bit easier uh, to chew through. Some things are already mechanically chewed up for you. Like for example, if somebody, I'll use a sandwich as an example, if somebody's eating bread, yeah, right. Then like a lot that flour is already chewed up for you. It's going to yeah, dissolve yeah. In, in your stomach, but if you're eating a salad, Here's an interesting fact uh, for you, Ben, is that when you're eating a salad, we actually, humans, don't have the digestive enzyme cellulase to actually digest through the cell wall of the, of the salad. So, for example, if you were to swallow a salad, and you can take, on, take this on as a challenge, if you were to swallow a salad with <laughs> big chunks of lettuce, yeah. you would poop them all out in exactly the way they went in the next day. Hmm. So when you were eating plant-based foods... If you look at a piece of lettuce or any plant mm. through a microscope, the cell wall is made out of cellulose. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the ability to digest through that cell wall. The only way we can access those nutrients is through breaking open that cell wall when we chew. So this mm. is why blenders can be good for people who can't chew mm-hmm. because they're getting, extracting that nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why it's important for us to tell our children to chew their food. Hmm. and and get them to pay attention because if we are feeding them healthy, nutritious foods, we want to make sure they're chewing them so they're getting the nutrition out of that food that they're eating. So when my son was very young, every time I would wipe his butt in the bathroom, I would show him the quality of his poop. Hmm. And I would see big chunks of carrots in there, I would see pieces <laughs> of apple in there. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you see that? That, that isn't just food. It, it's, it's nutrition, yeah. right? And it's money. And we're literally flushing it down the toilet because 
you're not chewing mm-hmm. your food properly. So uh, paying attention to how well we chew our food allows us to extract more nutrition out of it, allows us to get into the right digestive state, allows us to taste our food, allows us to release the right amount of enzymes mm-hmm. and produce, you know, helps us produce saliva. So we drink less fluids with our meals. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole cascade of things that happen just by simply chewing our food correctly. Wow. When you said 40, I think, man, I don't know if I chew four to six times sometimes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work on that. Yeah. And you'll find that you'll uh, eat a more appropriate amount. Sometimes it's right. when we don't chew, we don't, uh, we eat so fast that we don't allow our stomach yep. receptors to, to stretch and tell us that we're actually full. Hmm. Well, that's great. What, one of the things I love about, what you teach and help people with um, is that a lot of what you teach is it costs nothing and can completely transform their health. And I know one of the biggest things we'll talk about later is one of those very things, right? So um, I really appreciate that about your message. Uh, Can we talk about it? Because I know we've talked about this before and I'm very interested in it. Uh, I don't know if I'm calling it the right, but the genetics testing that you're able to do and yeah, if you can expand on that, what that actually does for people, what kind of doors it opens. I'm, I'm very personally interested in learning more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So what, there's so many different lab tests that people can do, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not here to say one's better than the other. Uh, but what I am here to say is I like to look at lifetime value of any test that I do. Mm-hmm. And the test that I can say, in my opinion, at least has the greatest lifetime value is looking at somebody's genomics mm. and genetics and genomics are, are two different uh, things, and one's a okay. subcategory of the other. Okay. So genetics is looking at somebody and saying, you've got this gene, therefore you're going to have this disease, mm. right? Or you're more likely to have this disease. Mm-hmm. Genomics is looking at the interplay of different genes and their unique variations. Mm. So we all have mm. very similar genes, but how those genes are being expressed and the efficiency and effectiveness of those genes can vary. Mm. So... Um, Looking at that allows us to then um, identify key environmental factors, key nutritional factors, uh, key stress factors, uh, and we call these epigenetic factors, things that are within our environment and within our control in Mm -hmm. most cases. Like, you know, we can't control everything, but we can control most things Mm -hmm. and and allows us to then choose and make the best decisions to best express our genes. Hmm. So let, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. There's no good or bad cars, right? So if you go to the Porsche dealership, like any one of those cars mm-hmm. uh, is a is like a beautiful automobile. But if sure. I take the if I take the 911, which is the sports car, if I take that off roading, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have yep. it doesn't have it's not designed for that environment, right? But if I take the Cayenne off roading, mm-hmm. then it is specifically designed you know, to be in that type of environment. So I think it's important for people to understand that we're all beautiful individually and we all have our unique gifts and capabilities, but some of us are going to have different buttons that we can push that will activate different parts of us. Some Mm -hmm. people need to eat more fat. Some people do better on a lower fat diet. Some people do well with carbohydrates. Some people it's best advised to avoid carbohydrates. Some Mm -hmm. people have genetic variations that make them more prone to stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And knowing that we can identify exactly what micronutrients to supplement them with so that they can help flush out the stress hormones as they produce them. Wow. So we can we can look at these nuanced ways of helping somebody, you know, identify how to optimize their operating system. 
Hmm. And, you know, some people, for example, might be more sensitive to blue light than others. So mm -hmm. they need to pay special attention to that. Mm -hmm. Some people like myself don't do well with long distance endurance type activities because mm -hmm. of how much um, there's a specific gene that I have that doesn't work optimally. It's called the superoxide dismutase gene. So this gene variation affects how my body handles stress, um, you know, in the mitochondria. So mm -hmm. oxidative stress in the mitochondria is, uh, is something that my body doesn't do well with on its own. So I have to support it. Uh, supplementally and by also choosing the right type of exercise routine. So mm -hmm. I do better with high intensity, short bursts of exercise mm -hmm. versus long duration cross country type of training. Mm -hmm. So we can, we can look at these, like there's all of this through genomics. Can, yeah. So all of this can be identified through genomics. And the beauty of this, Ben, is that that formula for you doesn't change. Right. Right. So right. I'm not going to come back to you next year and be like, you know, Hey, like, you know, I think you need to be eating this way or get the spinach now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we screwed it all up. We got to do it differently. Yeah. So the, the value of that test is it allows you to lean into an operating system, create a personal operating system for yourself. Yeah. That's never changing that you just get better and better and better at. Right. And so, you wow. know, you don't have to do it all at once, but you can slowly implement. Okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And now you have a personal playbook. Uh, for what works for you and what works for you and what works for your loved ones could be yeah. totally different. Wow. I mean, there's certain things that are, you know, what we call panaceas, right? There are certain things that benefit everyone, right? Getting sunlight in the morning, that's going to be benefit everyone. Getting yeah. good night's rest, that's going to be benefit everyone. Breathing correctly, that's going to benefit everyone. Mm -hmm. But there's certain things that can be nuanced and that's where you can get that extra few degrees of improvement and optimization and over the course of many decades, that starts adding up. Hmm. That's amazing. I can't wait to do that. I'm super interested in that. Yeah, See. thank you. And it's one of those tests that I like that has um, additive value. So as yeah. every year passes or quarter or whatever, the yeah. test becomes more valuable because the skills become more grounded. Right. Uh, whereas blood test and blood test is great because it tells us kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. or what was going on really it, uh, blood work a lot of times is like looking in the rear view mirror mm -hmm. uh, genomic testing is like looking through the windshield mm. right so one's mm. going to inform us on hey this is the path i need to be taking mm -hmm. right and if we look in the rear view we can see where we've been right, right. And we can yeah. and that's like you know lab testing so i think yeah. both have value both yeah. have merit and we use them, you know, both in our practice, we do stool testing, genomic testing, yeah. you know, hormone testing, you know, whatever is necessary for the client. Right. But we love the genomic test because it, it's something that we don't have to retest. It's very accessible and affordable. Mm. And it's something that becomes more valuable over time. And maybe I'm totally out to lunch on this, but um, from what I understand, I mean, you guys live in Canada as well. Um, I don't think there's a lot of this in Canada typically, is there? A, a lot of... Like what like you're this, doing, that kind of testing and everything. Um, you know, I would say there definitely needs to be more. Yeah. I know when I, you know, moved back from the US, um, you know, I guess it was almost 10 years ago now, so about a decade ago, I, I practiced in, in Cincinnati, Ohio for many years. Yeah. And then my wife and I are originally from Toronto. So after we had my son, we moved back. Yeah. And there was nobody doing this at yeah. that time that right. I could identify. Right. And so I've trained a bunch of people in the GTA that uh, that are now sure. offering this and it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent. But I, you know, I, I, I there's the way we put it together is kind of unique to the clients that we work with. 
mm-hmm. and how we view it, right? So it's not just the test, but it's mm-hmm. the paradigm as well that I think is important. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the testing, uh, the testing is uh, is actually done here in Canada. Mm-hmm. There's a, a company based out of Mississauga, which is just down in the same town that I live in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lab sends the samples, the DNA samples, to a lab in Montreal. Mm-hmm. So it's all done within Canada. But the majority, and the irony is, the majority of the test kits that they ship out are to the U.S. So this oh, yeah? is, huh. yeah, yeah, because they they work with clients in the U.S. as well, and that's yeah. where the majority of our clients are as well. Is in the um, U.S. Okay. Is in the U.S. because I feel like here in Canada things take a little bit longer. Yeah. Right. And uh, even to get covered, and but to even for people to have that uh, awareness. And I feel yeah. like many people, the majority of people, it's usually 80% of people are still stuck in that old paradigm mm-hmm. of until I get sick, right. until I have a disease or you know some yeah. sort of major crisis, I'm healthy. Right. Whereas the next generation, people like yourself, myself, you know, and even people younger than, my, than, than me mm-hmm. um, and you are, they're starting to scratch their head and being like, okay, I don't know if that strategy is the strategy I want to, Totally. deploy for my health right so people are yeah. becoming you know more proactive when it comes to their health and they're looking for uh, solutions like this where they have clarity instead of confusion mm-hmm. i think and again obviously it's my own view of the world but the overall paradigm of getting old is changing too in the sense that obviously yes we do age in years uh but you don't have to be old and decrepit you don't have to be you know old in years and frail and weak. And so I, I'm even noticing, again, I know it's my own model of the world, but it seems like that's changing more and more. And I'm, I'm seeing for myself more people in their sixties and their seventies that are very fit, you know, active, mm-hmm. healthy. And, uh, and I remember thinking when I was younger, it's like, well, once you got there, and this was uh, a lot in my family history too, once you got there, you're like in a wheelchair, you know, you're, you're struggling everything. Right. So it, uh, it is interesting how that's beginning to shift, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a new world, you know, and, and here's the thing I, uh, I want everyone to know is that if they can keep all their organs and stay relatively healthy for the next five years, mm-hmm. they'll probably live another 50 than they expect. So say that people, again. So if you can if you can stay pretty healthy for the next five years, keep yes. all of your organs yes. uh, in, in pretty good shape, then yeah. there's going to be technologies that are going to help us add another 50 years in the back end of our life. So right now the average person wow. lives till you know their late 70s, 80s. Like it's not unreasonable for people to expect, especially people like you and I, to expect to live to well into our hundreds, like into right. 100, 120. I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And the technology already exists for us, to, and the knowledge and the wisdom already exists for us to be able to do that. But there right. will be technologies that will be coming, uh, you know, more to mainstream. Uh, becoming more mainstream and available to people that will expand, extend life lifespan significantly. Yeah. Now, the importance of knowing that and paying attention to that is that uh, you, you, you've got to keep everything 50 years longer, right? right. So right. imagine you were given this car and in your head, like most people like, oh, I'm going to have this car for seven years, so I'm going to take care of it as if I'm going to have it for seven years. Mm-hmm. Right. And after a couple of years, you stop taking it to the car wash. You stop mm. like, you know, getting the oil changes on time. And then you're like, OK, seven years after that, I've, I'm, I've used it up mm. and now it's somebody else's problem if I sell it. Mm. But your body's not that way. Right. So imagine getting this car, thinking it's only going to last you seven mm-hmm. and then being told, well, hey, you got to keep this car for another five years. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a great. You analogy. probably would have taken it, care of it a little bit different. 
So I always mm-hmm. tell people like, listen, you know, if you live to 120, every morning you wake up, you got to ask yourself, you know, these teeth have to last 120 years. Am I taking care of them as right. if they're going to last that long? Right. My right. brain has to last that long. Like you want all of your organs right. lasting for that 120 years. And, you know, certainly there'll be 3D printing organ. I mean, they already do that. Um, I've had my wow. I've had my um, stem cells preserved. Right. So I had my hairs from my beard plucked and they can take follicle. They can grow stem cells from the follicles of your hair and then cryogenically freeze them. So if I ever need an organ printed or something like that in the wow. future, uh, they'll have the capabilities of doing that. So there's all kinds of really fascinating technologies that are already available to us. I mean, um, not necessarily. I mean, they're available to everyone, but most people aren't thinking of these things, right? They're they're right. busy solving other other problems in their lives. Health yeah. oftentimes takes the back burner. Wow, that's amazing. Huh. Um, I want to talk about, uh, I think, one of the things that you're most passionate about and uh, what you've called the the greatest wellness i might be butchering it a little bit but the greatest wellness strategy you've never heard of the greatest wellness technique you've never heard of and uh i'd love to jump into that yeah absolutely where do you want to start (laughs) well let's uh it's a good question i mean my knowledge on this is somewhat limited i've got a small practice that i get into but why don't why don't you start with this i i know what the answer is obviously we're talking about breathing and breath work um But maybe start with, let's start with why I even want to consider changing what I'm doing in this area. Okay. So I always tell people that I can prove to you how important breathing is in five minutes or less. Mm. Okay. So let's start by holding our breath. Okay. Okay. And if you were to hold your breath for more than five minutes, <laughs> right, <laughs> you'd quickly find out how important it is. And, for sure. You know, what's interesting about breathing is that we actually have a built-in mechanism that we can't actually hold our breath till we die. We actually pass out and okay. our brainstem starts breathing. Like that's where the signaling comes from when our body starts breathing for itself. So it's such an right. important thing that we can't even stop doing it even if we wanted to. Right. Okay? We can stop eating, we can stop drinking water, right. but breathing is not something that we can stop doing. Now here's the interesting thing about breathing. You know, we eat about two to three pounds of food a day, but mm-hmm. we consume 30 pounds of air each day. So wow. we actually consume more air than anything else that goes into our body. Mm-hmm. And for every 10 pounds of body fat and body weight that we lose, mm-hmm. 8.4 of those pounds is through the lungs. So our lungs actually, mm-hmm. you know, not only release some of the, the moisture that mm-hmm. is a byproduct of, of cellular respiration, which is energy production, mm-hmm. but the other aspect of cellular respiration is CO2. So our body gets rid of CO2 uh, through the lungs. Mm. The urge to breathe actually isn't an urge to get more oxygen into the body. The urge to breathe actually comes from the urge to release and get rid of the CO2 because CO2 is a toxic molecule in our body. Hmm. It's an important signaling molecule, but it can also be toxic at high levels. Mm-hmm. So breathing is like one of those things that we take for granted. Uh, we pay attention to the first breath when a child is born. When somebody is about to, to pass away, we pay attention to, you know, their last, last breath, breath, right? Yeah. And we're honored and grateful if we could be there for, for that person to witness that mm-hmm. and for ourselves to witness it. So in my lifetime, I've been able to witness my son's first breath mm. and I've been able to witness my grandmother's last breath. So mm. I kind of, kind of get to see both ends of the spectrum, but nobody talks about breath in between. It's right. rare 
to think about it because we just assume that we're breathing and we're alive, so we must be doing it right. Mm-hmm. However, what I've learned over the years in my search for the simplest thing that we could do to get healthy mm-hmm. and improve our health, my search led me to breath work mm. and breathing. And, you know, the yogis and people in the East have been saying this for a very long time. So they've mm-hmm. got ancient practices of pranayama, right. of tai chi, Prana, yeah. of qigong, right? These are all things that have been around for thousands of years. So we, we know that uh, when we can control our breath, then we can control our biology and our physiology. Mm. And there are so many ways that I can demonstrate to you that our body uses our breath to change its emotional state and its biological state. Mm. And when you start realizing that and start putting it together, you're like, oh my God, how come nobody taught me this? Mm-hmm. So what I believe breath is, is that it's, it's the zenith of simplicity and sophistication. Mm. It's so simple to do, and it's so, it's so nuanced, in, in, and, it, and it can be nuanced that it can be very sophisticated as well. So if I wanted to improve digestion, I can show you how to breathe. If I wanted to increase focus, I can show you a breath for that. If I want to increase circulation, I can show you how to breathe. If I want you to release endorphins, I can show you how to breathe. When you get a runner's high from exercising or running, it's the breath that gives you the high, not the activity. No so way. I can show you how really? to replicate that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so breath is something that is, is part of so much of what we do, but it's happening at an unconscious level. Yeah. And my invitation to people is to raise it to our conscious level right. so that we can actually grab you know our nervous system by the steering wheel so i refer to the breath as the steering wheel of the nervous system and a regulated nervous system when you can control it is one of the most important health assets that you have Mm -hmm. so with my breath i can direct blood flow to my digestive system right so if i slow Hmm. down my breathing before i have my meal extend my exhales okay or do something like box breathing where i breathe in for four seconds hold for four seconds exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and then repeat that. Doing that for a couple minutes is instantly going to ground me, and it's going to increase blood flow to my digestive system. Wow. If I, Yeah, like, and if I want to de-stress, so mm-hmm. if I'm experiencing a stressful situation, mm-hmm. and I just don't want to bring it into the house, I don't want to bring it into my next meeting, I don't mm-hmm. want to bring it into my next conversation that I have, Mm-hmm. Well, there's a breath that we can use called a physiologic sigh that helps us instantly go into a relaxed state. And we can quickly practice that right now because it's so it. simple and so easy. Yeah. So uh, what you're going to do is you're going to take a nice deep breath in through the nose. Tongue is placed at the roof of the mouth. Take a nice breath in. And at the very top, just take a few extra sips through the mouth or the nose and just hold it at the top. And on the count of three, you're going to release with a loud, audible exhale through the mouth. One, two, three. (sighs) All the way out. Another nice deep breath in through the nose, tongue at the roof of the mouth. A few extra sips at the top, really pack that air in. And on the count of three, let it out with an exhale. One more time. One, two, three. One more, deepest breath you've taken all day. Nice deep breath in through the lungs, in through the nose. Hold at the top after taking a few extra sips. And on the count of three, we're going to let it out with an audible sigh. One, two, three.
<sighs> all the way out, all the way out, all the way out. And then you can find your normal breathing pattern. Tongue at the roof of the mouth, breathing in for six and out for six. And you're just going to stay in that breathing cadence. It's going to feel slow. It's going to feel weird when you first start doing it. That's the default way I encourage people to breathe. Tongue at the roof of the mouth, breathing in for six seconds, out for six seconds. The slower we breathe, the longer we live. So the greatest wow. predictor of lifespan is lung capacity. And if you look at animals across um, respiratory rates and lifespan, you'll notice that the animals that breathe the least per minute live the longest. Turtle breathes about four breaths per minute, can live up to a couple hundred years. A dog on average takes about 35 breaths per minute and ages seven times faster. So mm -hmm. in Eastern philosophy, we're born with a certain number of breaths in our lifetime. In Western medicine, we're born with a certain number of heartbeats. Mm -hmm. Now we can't control the number of heartbeats um, actively and directly, but we can indirectly control our heart rate by controlling our respiratory rate. Mm. So when you think of the physical aspects of breathing, it makes sense that breathing uh, is one of those lead dominoes. So for example, your rib cage houses your lungs, right? So when we breathe in, the rib cage expands a little bit, but most of the pressure goes inwards. So with every breath we take, the lungs expand when we inhale, and mm. that squeezes the heart. And by mm. squeezing the heart, we mechanically assist it in pumping blood through our body. When mm. we breathe in and out, our diaphragm moves up and down. The diaphragm is referred to as the second heart. Mm. Our heart literally sits on our diaphragm. So as it moves up and down, right, so with each breath, we inhale and exhale, our lungs are expanding and contracting, our diaphragm is moving up and down, and all of that is assisting the heart in pumping blood. Mm. The biggest lymph nodes in our body are underneath our diaphragm. And so the, as our diaphragm is moving up and down with each breath we take, it's also moving all that sludge and lymph, and lymph is basically a waste product that's produced by our cells and organs. So by breathing correctly, we assist our heart, our circulatory system, and we also assist our lymphatic system in moving the sludge that accumulates, especially in the trunk organs. Hmm. The other thing that happens when we breathe correctly is that it starts um, increasing the production of certain chemicals and molecules in our body. So it, it uh, behooves us to talk about breathing and not talk about how to breathe correctly. So we'll maybe mm -hmm. we'll back up just a little bit. The correct way to breathe, and there's three gears to breathing. The first gear, and that's where we want to be like really 99% of the time, is breathing in through our nose, out through our nose, with our tongue gently placed in the roof of our mouth. And what, why the tongue? So when we, great question. So the tongue uh, ideally should be placed in the roof of the mouth for a few reasons. One, it, it creates the shape of our face. So when our tongue is sitting in the roof of our mouth, it pushes our upper palate forward and outward. What this does is it creates a nice open airway for us to breathe through. My son, as an example, was a mouth breather. So his tongue would stay in the bottom of his mouth. And because his tongue would stay in the bottom of his mouth, his upper palate was really small. And so when we went to the dentist, the dentist said he's going to have to have his teeth pulled. There isn't enough room for his teeth. Hmm. 
and I started scratching my head and, you know, I'm like, the body's perfect. Like, I don't understand why, why mm -hmm. this would happen. It doesn't make sense that he would have too many teeth. Mm -hmm. Like that just doesn't compute for me. And then I started learning about how our tongue positioning and whether we breathe through our nose or our mouth affects our facial structure. Mm. And so, um, so he got a palatal expander put in to expand his palate, which is, uh, you know, a several thousand dollar piece of equipment, an appliance for the mouth. Mm -hmm. But if his tongue was positioned correctly, he would have been doing that the whole time, his entire life for him. <laughs> so how, how old was he when uh, he's 13 now? And yeah. we started this process about a year and a half ago with him. Wow. And all of his teeth have come in, so we didn't have to have any of them pulled. Amazing. And his wow. uh, breathing has improved, so his his uh, his airway is is uh, nice and open. He tapes his mouth at night. He wears a nose strip at night, mm. and you can see his facial structure is also very different as well from mm. where it was when we started. So mm. positioning our tongue in the roof of the mouth acts as a spacer. It acts as a uh, as it also acts as a uh, soothing device as well. So mm. there's a little magic button in the roof of our mouth. It's called a mudra, and when we place our tongue in the roof of the mouth, it almost instantly relaxes us. This is why children suck on their thumb. This is why children love pacifiers. This is why they are instantly soothed when um, they um, suck on their mother's nipple if they're breastfeeding, because it presses that magic button in the roof of their mouth, hmm. and it instantly relaxes them. Okay, so the same button is there for adults as well. If you think about how somebody would be breathing if a lion was chasing them, I like to use extremes. Mm -hmm. So if you were in a super high fight or flight type of situation, mm -hmm. your mouth would be open mm -hmm. and you'd be huffing and puffing. Your mm -hmm. tongue would be hanging out of your mouth, mm -hmm. right? The opposite of that would be nice, slow, controlled breaths, tongue in the roof of the mouth. When you place your tongue in that position, it also makes it impossible to breathe through your mouth. Mm. So if you just place your tongue there, naturally seals your mouth, okay? Mm. The uh, mouth is the dirtiest part of our body. So anytime we breathe through our mouth, we take whatever the outside air quality is and make it significantly worse mm. because we're inhaling all this bacteria that shouldn't be making its way into the lungs. Mm. So breathing through our mouth is actually quite catastrophic to our health. It puts us in a more fight or flight situation. That's the signal that we're sending to the nervous system Mm -hmm. It doesn't correctly cause the spacing of our teeth and our jaw to form, so our airway becomes more narrow. When we breathe through our mouth, it dries out our saliva, which kills the oral microbiome, which is the cl cluster and collection of bacteria that protect our teeth mm. and our gums. Mm. And when we don't have good oral uh, bacteria, then we're more prone to cavities. In fact, mouth breathing is the number one cause of cavities because it dries wow. out our saliva. The other mm. thing that happens when we dry out our saliva is that microbiome stops producing nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is a molecule, it's a signaling molecule that kills viruses and bacteria on contact. It naturally dilates the blood vessels, allowing for um, a natural uh, decrease in blood pressure because the blood vessels will dilate and it increases microcirculation. So nitric oxide is the mechanism through which Viagra works. When Viagra was being studied as a medication, it was originally being studied as a medication for hypertension. Really? And the way it works, mm. the mechanism is that it recycles the nitric oxide that your body is making. Mm. 
So it doesn't make it doesn't help you make more, which would be the mm -hmm. right thing to do. It helps mm -hmm. you recycle whatever you're making. Mm -hmm. But the men in the study, most medical studies are done on men, notice an interesting side effect. Mm -hmm. And that side effect was, you know, an increase in microcirculation, especially, you know, mm -hmm. down there. <laughs> and so they became the next blockbuster drug. Wow. So we actually make nitric oxide if we breathe correctly and eat the right foods mm -hmm. based on our oral microbiome. You got natural so, and free Viagra. Natural and free Viagra. So our nose <laughs> is actually lined with erectile tissue. So when we think about, uh, <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah. So the, our genitals and our nose are actually from a uh, tissue standpoint, very similar to one another huh. uh, because they contain this erectile tissue that's responsive to nitric oxide. So it's kind of, kind of a wow. uh, interesting, interesting, like fun fact about the yeah. nose. So our nose, uh, you know, in contrast to breathing through the mouth, our nose actually purifies the air. It temperature regulates the air. It moisture regulates the air. It pressurizes the air, which allows 20% more oxygen to be delivered to the alveoli, which is the uh, bottom, you know, uh, of our lungs. And it allows us to uh, actually kill viruses and bacteria on contact because we're making more nitric oxide. And that's where um, we, that's one of the many, there's many reasons not to breathe through the mouth. And there is a dozen reasons to breathe through the nose. So once yeah. we fix that for people, Mm -hmm. That breathing in through the nose, out through the nose uh, for six seconds, that's going to be the most relaxing, grounding breath. We call that resonance breathing. Mm -hmm. That's when our heart and our brain are going to be most connected to one another. Right. And there's right. lots of research. Uh, you can look up heart math. Yeah, there's lots of research math, to, yeah. kinda, to demonstrate that. The yeah. second gear of breathing is breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Remember, the urge to breathe comes from not needing more oxygen, we only absorb about 25% of the oxygen that we breathe in with each breath. The urge to breathe comes from a buildup of CO2. So as we become more metabolically active, as we start walking around or maybe doing a set at the gym, instead of going from your nose in and out mm -hmm. and going to the mouth in and out, there's another gear, breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so think of your nose as an intake, perfects the air, think of your mouth as an exhaust, right? It's a way of letting go. And we're okay. doing that in a state like that because you're producing more CO2. Right. So you're going to have a strong urge to breathe. Right. Um, and, you know, lengthening the exhales. So letting out the CO2, but lengthening the exhales is actually going to get more oxygen delivery to the cells. Hmm. Uh, question for you, going back to the, the nose to nose breathing, six and six is ideal. Is longer better if you can? Well, if, it depends on what state we're trying to get into. If we're trying right. to get into a more relaxed state, mm -hmm. right? Let's say you're, let's say you want to go to sleep, right? If I'm checking my email or reading a book, I might do six and six, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm wanting to go to sleep, I might do six in, 10 out. Mm. So if we lengthen mm. the exhale, it puts us into a more relaxed and more parasympathetic state. Mm -hmm. And then the third gear of breathing is in and out through the mouth. And that usually represents, you know, if we say 1% of your day, it's about 14 minutes, right? So right. 14 minutes of your day, you're just kind of like gassing yourself and you're going in an all out sprint, right? That's when it's mm -hmm. a true fight or flight situation. Mm -hmm. My wife and I were recently downtown Toronto uh, going to an event and I was keynoting and speaking about breathing actually. So we did an exercise and we said, I wonder how many people are actually mouth breathers versus nasal breathers when they're going for their walk to work. And we couldn't find anyone that was breathing in and out through their nose. 
Hmm. Everyone was breathing in and out through their mouth because they're unconscious, right? For they sure. don't know there's three gears to breathing. They yeah. don't know that the way that they're breathing right now is actually increasing their anxiety and their stress and their right. stress hormones in their body, right? Hmm. Whereas if I want to feel calm and relaxed, I, the first thing I turn to is my breath. Yeah. Because well, the breath is the steering wheel of the nervous system. I can only imagine too, as obviously in your own life, but then people you've worked with that they begin to practice this, like all things in life, but you, the more you practice it, the more natural it becomes that you are now are unconsciously walking around breathing through your nose. Right. Yeah. yeah. We want to become unconsciously competent. And For here's sure. the thing. If we, it's kind of like driving, right? So if mm. you've driven the same route every day for like years and years and years, or even just a couple of weeks, eventually you become unconscious, right? And you just somehow, somehow you get there. You don't even remember like the details of the traffic or the stoplights. You just know I started here and somehow like I just, you know, consciously made a few turns, but most of it was an unconscious process and I'm here. Mm -hmm. There's always an opportunity for us to grab the steering wheel. Mm -hmm. So whenever I do a self check-in and I'll do that throughout the day, like some people they're, ch they check into their phone, mm -hmm. right? And the research shows people check into their phones a hundred times a day. Mm -hmm. Well, what if we just attached how am I breathing to picking up our phone, mm. right? Just that would raise our consciousness of how we're breathing several Absolutely. hundred times a day. So we'd go from zero, you know, to a couple hundred times very quickly. Mm -hmm. And once we can do that, then it just becomes second nature to us. So for me, it's become sec second nature to just how am I breathing? That's the first question I ask myself before mm -hmm. I ask, what am I doing? Hmm. Wow. This is amazing. I, I love this. This is, this <laughs> there, is mean, the most interesting conversation I think I've ever had on the show. It's just, <laughs> it's so fascinating to me. Thank you. I, I literally, we're just kind of, we're just scratching the surface. Like I can only imagine there's like a, here's another fun fact. You breathe yeah. in more molecules of oxygen with every breath you take than there are grains of sand on the entire planet. You breathe in more molecules of oxygen then there are all grains of sand on the entire planet. Yeah. Wow. Just kind of blows your mind, right? And you wow. can fact check it. When I heard that, I, I fact checked it. That was the first thing I did, and it's yeah. actually accurate. Wow. So imagine like you take 23,000 breaths a day, you consume 30 pounds of air a day, you're moving like an entire universe in and out of you with every breath you take. Mm. It is the one thing that you can manually override to switch yourself from a fight or flight state into mm -hmm. a relaxed state works faster than your mind mm -hmm. and works really well with your mind, but it works faster than your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's a thing that our body unconsciously uses, right? We don't even mm -hmm. realize we're using totally. it. So I'll give you a few examples. There are certain breathing signatures that we have. So one is the sigh, right? So when mm -hmm. we feel a sense of relief, we sigh. Mm -hmm. Now what happens is we have the emotion and then we have the breath. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a two-way street. So you can induce the breath and create the emotion. Mm. So what you probably noticed after those three, you know, deep breaths and releases, that you probably felt like you were just a slightly different state, if not a mm. significantly different state. Mm. And I know you're like, we're in a calm, relaxed environment right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you were coming in from a stressful environment, right, and you just wanted to let it go and switch mm. your state, then you can do that pretty instantly. If, hmm. if a lion were to walk into my office right now, mm -hmm. the first thing I would do is I would gasp, mm -hmm. right? Well, mm -hmm. what does gasping do? It rapidly inflates my lungs right. so my heart can start mechanically pumping faster. So it instantly raises my blood pressure. 
right? right? And instantly now it starts sending blood to my arms and legs so I could run away from whatever's chasing me. Hmm. When we uh, do hmm. things like hum, right? Humming increases nitric oxide level by up to hmm. 15 fold. Wow. So by simply closing our mouth, humming our favorite song you know, yeah. for five to 10 minutes, we're gonna create this protective mechanism of increasing nitric oxide. Hmm. What also happens when you hum is you lengthen the exhale, right? So you might take a breath in, and then as you're humming, your exhale is going to be like, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. So it's naturally putting you into a relaxed state. Wow. When we sob, right? Sobbing yeah. is actually a form of breath work, okay. right? It's a way of actually releasing emotions. This is why letting children cry is actually very beneficial for them instead of telling them to stop crying because then they bury their emotions, you know, as deep down as they can. Hmm. Laughing is a form of breath work. Right. So there's actually classes called laughing yoga where okay. you can you can go and you, you, you just you might be in whatever mood you're in, but you start yeah. inducing that breathing signature. Yeah. And guess what? You start laughing because now you're creating the chemistry of laughter and happiness in your body. Yeah. So we can use our breath to create whatever emotional experience we want to have as well. And it's a two way street that most people don't realize. Wow. This is amazing. Um, I know we're scratching the surface here we'll have to do this again i thought of maybe one day uh we could even do one um how we can help our children incorporating a lot of these ideas that we're talking about there. i think that'd be super cool i again very interested myself yeah um, my pleasure <laughs> I, I would love to i, I think I, I think it uh it's a topic that deserves a, a deeper dive and it's so it, like right. it's so practical that's the other thing right. is, and it, it applies at every stage of your life right so if you have right. young children yeah. like when i do when i speak about this a lot of times parents will come up to me like oh my god like yeah i'm so glad you told me this because you know yeah. my son has this issue or my daughter has this issue like yeah. a lot of a lot of ADD, in fact, about 30% of people with ADD and ADHD diagnosis yes. have dysfunctional nighttime breathing. Wow. And wow. the upper limit of our metabolic wellness, right? So you, you're only as well as how you breathe while you sleep. That's the upper limit really? of your health. Hmm. Because when we sleep, that's the most parasympathetic healing regenerative thing that we do. Sure, sure. But if your breath, which informs your nervous system, right, is... You know, for some people, they're barely breathing. For some people, they stop breathing throughout the mm -hmm. night. 66% mm -hmm. uh, of people breathe through their mouth, mm -hmm. right? So their tongue is not in the right position. They're breathing in and out through the mouth, telling in, informing their nervous system that they're under stress. So they're doing the most relaxing, healing, regenerative thing that they should be doing, but they have the most dysfunctional breathing. Mm. So imagine somebody snoring during the day, how exhausted they would be at the mm -hmm. end of the day, mm -hmm. right? So this is why people wake up in the morning and they're more tired than when they went to sleep. Mm. And it takes them a while to actually get going. This is why people wake up and their blood sugar is high because they had fight or flight breathing mm -hmm. while they were sleeping. So I'd expect it to be high, not to be normal or low. Mm -hmm. It's why people wake up and they don't have morning erections because mm. they were breathing in and out through their mouth and that's killing their nitric oxide production. And nitric oxide helps increase microcirculation. Mm. It's why people... Uh, wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. So when you breathe through your mouth while you sleep, it acts as a diuretic. Mm. It affects a hormone in your body that helps you, uh, that tells your body to get rid of excess fluid and water, right? Mm. So it affects a hormone called aldosterone. And so when, um, you know, when we breathe through our mouth versus through our nose, it has like a domino effect 
on our overall health. So a tip I want to make sure we, we share with everyone is something called mouth taping. Mm -hmm. And it's probably the most uh, inexpensive hacks, or if you want to call it that, or mm -hmm. bio-tuning exercises you can do. You can just get, a, get some tape like this. It's called 3M Microport Tape. And a lot of times when people talk about mouth taping or hear about mouth taping, they think, oh my God, I could never seal my mouth closed. Like that mm -hmm. sounds crazy to me. Mm -hmm. And essentially what we're doing is we're just putting a piece of tape like this. So I can still talk mm -hmm. and I can still breathe through my mouth if I need to. Mm -hmm. But this is going to keep my mouth in a nice closed position while I sleep. Mm. It's going to keep my tongue in the roof of my mouth. Mm. It's going to open up my airwaves correctly and prevent me from snoring. Mm. And so now my metabolic health, my healing, my regeneration, my recovery is going to be far better than it would have been if I was sleeping with my mouth open and snoring. Hmm. So, so there's actually like, I have so many case studies of people, they just start taping their mouth at night mm -hmm. and within two days they have energy to wake up, go exercise, tackle their day. They don't feel exhausted anymore just by doing this, like literally five cent intervention of taping their mouth closed at night. This is amazing. You know, I had bought, uh, I don't know when this would have been probably two years ago. Uh, I remember reading a book, James Nestor's book on yep. breath, right? And then his colleague, uh, that he did those studies with uh anders i think i can't remember his full name anyways doesn't matter um i had come across his i think i sent you a picture of that one day that uh little breathing device right but but yeah. in that though a little bit of mouth tape but then i had bought this other mouth tape and i don't remember what the price was but it was not five cents a thing so like that you know what you just talked about you don't need the, a fancy mouth tape just what did you call it microport Tape? Yeah, so it's called 3M Microport yeah. Tape. It's a it's a surgical tape. tape. Okay. It does come in like sensitive skin versions as well for people who have it. Cool. And um and literally like we're um we're we're so conservative uh with like I I like to think of health as being something that's embarrassingly simple. Mm. Like that's our that's our philosophy is how do we make being healthy embarrassingly simple? So this is like an embarrassingly simple, cheap, yeah. inexpensive thing that your entire yeah. family could do yeah. that will significantly uh, improve their health mm -hmm. while they sleep mm -hmm. and they'll wake everyone wakes up better. Mm -hmm. But uh, we actually sometimes will reuse our tape. I don't because um, mm -hmm. the tape doesn't work the second day for me, but my wife, mm -hmm. she'll like just put it on, on her nightstand and even reuse it. So it's like pennies a day. Sure. Uh, you yeah. know, to improve. Uh, yeah, there's no excuse. Of the yeah, time we, for you know, sure. To improve eight hours of how we breathe at night. Wow. Wow. Uh, quick question on that. Um, if someone's sick, they're stuffed up in the nose. Is this a time we would not do this? Or you still, if I do that, that's gonna actually going to help me? Yeah. So there's actually nose clearing exercises that you can do. Okay. And they're, it's, again, embarrassingly simple, but uh, people can look it up if they want more sure. details. But essentially, sure. if you take a deep breath in, Mm -hmm. and let it out with a relaxed exhale. So breathing in is an active activity. Exhaling is a passive activity unless we make it active. So breathe, breathe in, you just let it out, relaxed breath. So we're not pushing the air out. We're just going to a neutral position and then we yeah. hold our nose. Hmm. So we close our mouth, plug our nose, and we might have to move our head around a little bit, um, you know, shake it up, shake it up a little bit, but within, you know, doing that for a few breaths, your nose clears right up. It's like magic. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, this is, by the way, this <laughs> is going to be when that, when this comes out, this will be, I think somewhere around the 106, 107th episode of, uh, of the podcast. And, and, and I mean this wholeheartedly, this has been the most 
interesting conversation I've ever had on here. And I want to oh, thank, thank you, you so much for this. It, uh, My pleasure. You're, I, I know you're living your purpose and you're on a mission to, you're not on a mission to impact the world. You are impacting the world and um, that there's no exception to that today. There's a lot of people that are going to be benefiting from this. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, my friend, for the opportunity to share. It's, it's wonderful. You've got, I want to direct people to it. We'll have it in the show notes, but you've actually got um, uh, ultimate breath, breathwork bundle that people can get. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We'll put the, put it in the links for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I, when I speak about this topic, I get so many requests, like, how do I learn more? How do I, right. how do I go a little bit deeper? So right. I've uh, recorded a bunch of uh, videos, uh, yeah. exercises. Uh, there's even a, a keynote in there that I've shared. And I also in that bundle have a breathing signatures guide. So it, it shows you the different breathing signatures that you can incorporate. Some of my favorite apps are in there. I've got a stop snoring guide and bundle that shows you exactly how to stop snoring, the exact apps I use, the exact exercises, all that stuff is listed in there for you. Mm. And I actually have a, a 90 minute breathwork uh, session that you can mm. do as well. Mm. Just go to, go to the video that I share, pop mm -hmm. in your headphones, and then could be with you and a loved one or even mm -hmm. a group of friends can do it together. I give you the step-by-step -step instructions and it's almost like a psychedelic transformational like ceremonial wow. experience that people have. Yeah. So that's also in there as well. And Amazing. it's all free. It's my gift to the world. I want to, I wow. want this information in as many hands as possible. And so all they have to do is go to Breathwork with Sachin, enter their contact information. I have nothing to sell you. I just want to help you and uh, they can learn more. And then I'm always available if people want to dive deeper and they, they want to work with me or someone from my team on yeah. a more intimate and personal level. But I think that this is a great place for a lot of people to start. You mentioned one of my favorite books of all time, James Nestor's book, Breath. Right. I would definitely encourage people to look into that a little bit more. There's another great book uh, called Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McEwen. Okay. And uh, I also, I, I wanted to share this. I went to James Nestor's retreat in Costa Rica. Okay. Uh, just this past year okay. in March and I took all my notes down and I put them in a Google document and that's also available in uh, in this free bundle as well. So wow. you're getting a, a ton of for uh, sure <laughs> a ton of value in there. And uh, yeah. it's again, it's it's only my hope that more people incorporate this into their lives. I think the world would be a, a much better place if we learned how to breathe, be in control of our central nervous system, uh, you know, learn how to use our breath to regulate our biology and it's something that we can all do instantly. So it doesn't take months or years or you don't have to fly anywhere to learn how to do this. You can do it all from the comfort of your home mm -hmm. and it positively affects every generation in your family. So if it's your kids, if it's yourself, if it's, if it's your parents, if it's your loved ones, like there's just a, a huge uh, number of people that could benefit from learning this information. This is amazing. This is so great. So breathworkwithsachin.com. Correct. Okay, awesome. We'll have that for everybody too. Uh, and then for people, can you tell people your Instagram? I know you're quite active on there as well. You're always posting great content. Yeah, thank you. So it's thesachinpatel.com. And uh, Facebook is where they can also find me as well. Uh, okay. Patel, facebook.com slash thesachinpatel. Okay. And we, I, I try to, uh, my philosophy, Ben, is probably just like yours, try to give as much value as you can. Yeah. I'm just thinking about this this morning. If somebody just went through my Facebook feed for the last like, 
year, they would have all the secrets and formulas right. for health and healing and repair. So I, I like sure. to, you know, I realized many years ago that I can't help everybody, but I can yeah. show them how to help themselves. Right. And so we, we just like to give valuable, you know, practical information for people. So Facebook, the bundle is a great place. And then Instagram is another place as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, everybody. I know today is one of those episodes that you're going to be going back listening to again. And you can tell just in everything Sachin gave today, the bundle that he's giving away, uh, this is someone that wants to make an even bigger impact and difference. So the easiest way for us to help them is make sure you share this episode. Apply the principles. Try it yourself. And let's make sure to share this episode. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Sachin, thank you so much for your time. It's been an incredible conversation. Thank you, Ben. So much love and gratitude. I appreciate you. Amazing. Thank you.